Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Friday. It's the 4th of August. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. More applications have been approved for Iowa's new state-funded education savings accounts. Nearly 18,500 students have now been approved for ESAs out of the more than 29,000 who applied. For the upcoming school year, each approved account is worth $7,600. The money must be used on private school tuition before any other education expenses. Department of Education officials told the Iowa State Board of Education yesterday that more applications are still under review to verify students' residency and income. About 60 percent of the students approved for ESAs already attend a private school. Urbandale Schools is changing course in how it responds to a new law restricting books with sexual content and teaching related to LGBTQ topics. Last week, the district listed nearly 400 books that teachers would have to remove from libraries and classrooms. Now, IPR's Grant Gerlock tells us only a fraction of that number will be taken off shelves. District leaders are trying to decide how to comply with a new state law prohibiting instruction related to sexual orientation and gender identity in elementary grades and banning any books that describe sex acts. For now, the district will leave in place books that reference gender identity and sexual orientation. Meanwhile, there's a new list of 64 books that will be removed because of sexual content. It includes The Color Purple, Beloved, Ulysses, and The Handmaid's Tale. In a message to staff and families, Superintendent Rosalie Daca apologized to those who felt marginalized by the district's response. DACA says it weighs on her that teachers could be disciplined if they're found in violation of the law. If the district is wrong, she says, quote, we could jeopardize their professional and personal lives. A final defendant has pleaded guilty for his role in a fatal drive-by shooting outside East High School in Des Moines in March last year. Octavia Lopez Sanchez was part of a group of teens who fired toward students outside the school. 15-year-old Jose Lopez Perez was killed and two other students were critically injured. Lopez Sanchez pled guilty yesterday to second-degree murder and willful injury. He faces up to 70 years in prison when he is sentenced in November. According to the Polk County Attorney's Office, a total of 10 defendants have pled guilty for crimes related to the shooting, including three who pled guilty to charges of first-degree murder. Iowa's two largest newspaper operators say prioritizing digital subscription growth is translating to revenue. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has the details. Gannett and Lee Enterprises have emphasized the need to grow digital subscriptions for their future. And while advertising continues to decline, digital revenue is on the rise. U.S. megachain Gannett has boosted revenue from digital subscriptions by 17% since this time last year. That growth helps cushion Gannett's $13 million loss. The chain owns the Des Moines Register, among others. Meanwhile, Davenport-based Lee Enterprises has seen digital revenue rise by 15% since this time last year. Despite digital growth, Lee also reported losses in advertising that it blamed on the elimination of products that weren't profitable. The company netted $2 million. 
Lee's flagship paper is the Quad City Times. And Iowans who plan to do some back-to-school shopping today and tomorrow will be able to stock up at a discount as it's the state's annual tax-free holiday. John Fuller is spokesman for the Iowa Department of Revenue. There are some rules around this, and basically Iowans will not be charged sales tax when they purchase clothing or footwear that's less than $100. The tax-free weekend starts at 12.01 this morning, so it started already, and it runs through 11.59 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Just four companies dominate about 85% of the beef processing market. That means higher prices for consumers and lower returns for the people raising the animals. So some ranchers and cattle feeders are organizing to build their own meat plants in the Midwest and Great Plains. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rimbert reports on one rancher-led meatpacking project called Sustainable Beef. Hundreds of cows crowd close to the edges of a pen to push their heads through a fence and get to the golden grains in a feed trough. Trey Wasserberger looks out at the cattle from his pickup. He works at this feed yard alongside his father-in-law outside of North Platte, Nebraska. These will be probably ready to go here in the next 30 or 40 days. and um, They'll go to uh, a large packer and they'll be in the beef supply chain in 60 days probably. He says it takes three years of hard work to even get the cows to this point. And now the feed yard work starts. Cassie Lapisotis runs another feed yard in western Nebraska and says it operates kind of like how you expect a clean bed at a hotel. So when these cattle come into a feed yard, we want their pens to be clean, their water tanks to be clean, the feed to be freshly laid out in front of them. Wasserberger and Lapisotis are proud of how they take care of their animals to bring quality meat to the market. But right now, their paychecks don't reflect the sweat, science, and money they've invested. Not yet. That's where sustainable beef comes in. Wasserberger and Lapisotis are founders and board members of Sustainable Beef, a meatpacking plant owned and designed by ranchers and cattle feeders. Ranchers are working on similar projects in Iowa, Missouri, South Dakota, and Idaho. They hope that keeping processing closer to home can help them regain control and profit. In Nebraska, the idea gained momentum after the pandemic, when COVID forced packers to limit operations and turn away market-ready cattle. I still remember June of 2020, we couldn't get any cattle in anywhere. I lost a third of my equity in cattle almost overnight. It was a new low as ranchers lost buyers and shoppers faced empty meat shelves. But it wasn't a new problem. For decades, companies like Tyson, Cargill, JBS, and National Beef have absorbed other meat processors, leaving fewer buyers to compete for animals. Feedlots and ranchers have been forced to take lower and lower prices. From 1980 to 2017, 40% of ranchers disappeared from the USDA's census. So the ranchers in Nebraska came together to create their own plant where they can process cattle and give fair prices for premium beef. 
Sustainable Beef CEO David Briggs drives around the future home of the meatpacking plant, where about 100 people work to move dirt and build a foundation at the construction site. When Sustainable Beef is operational, it'll process around 1,500 cattle a day. That's roughly 1.5% of the nation's capacity, Briggs says. Our mission was to help with the national security concept and to actually be a player in the overall uh, industry. But they're not trying to compete against the big four packers, Wasserberger says. It's like comparing the Yankees to my son's t-ball team. Um, we don't want to be the Yankees, and we're not trying to be, and we're not pretending like we are. This model works for us and our families, and so we're going to play ball how we know. They have an uphill road just to stay in the game. This isn't the first time ranchers have tried coming together to start their own packing plant. Past startups in Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa have tripped over logistics, collapsed under market pressure, or even been swallowed up by one of the giant packers. Austin Frerich, a Yale fellow who studies concentration in the meat market, hopes they can find a foothold. So the fact that if they can carve out a niche where they can play t-ball, at least they're playing baseball. But he says the broader industry needs regulation to truly level the playing field for projects like sustainable beef. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rempert. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, reporting on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. This is Here First from IPR News. You can locate this podcast wherever you subscribe to them so you can listen every weekday morning. I'm Clay Masters.